Hey guys, and welcome to Rust Belt Startup episode five. Uh, got a great interview for you this week, and, and we'll get to that shortly. But um, um, before we do that, there's something that's been on my mind the past several days that I, I just I just got to say something about. And I know that's not why you listen to this podcast, but um, it's important. You know, as you're listening to this right now, there are thousands of children that have been forcibly separated from their families. It's heartbreaking and it's 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 cruel and it's wrong. Many of them are are probably too young to understand what's going on, too young to um, even understand what's happening around them or why they are where they are, why they've been taken away from their their parents. And it's something that has been um, really making me both angry and and feel um, hopeless and helpless all at once. If it's something that bothers you on, as, a, as a as a human being, which it should, you know, I, I would I would ask you to, to press pause or or stop the podcast right now and go and call your representative, call your senator, write a letter, make a ruckus, do something, give to an organization that's trying to actually do something to reunite these families. It's important. And if you're looking for you know a place to give to give money, um, there's a fundraiser um, for a fund that's called Reunite an Immigrant Parent with Their Child. It's it's run by an organization called Races. It's R A I C E S. Uh, you can you can type that into into Facebook and and you can make a contribution there. And there's there's some folks that are trying to do something. If 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 you're if you're like me and don't know quite what to do and how to do it, you can at least donate some money to an organization that's trying to help right now. But this is one of these things where I feel like no matter what size platform you have, whether that's, you know, thousands, hundreds, dozens, um, I, I just feel an obligation to say something, do something. Um, and I hope that you'll consider doing the same. So, um, thanks. With all that said, uh, you know, it's hard to shift gears from, from something as, as heavy as this to, to, to business, to, to startups, you know, but, but I, I do think that I have a really great interview for you guys today, um, that, that I hope that you dig. Uh, it's, it's from, uh, it's a conversation that I had with Ashley Robinson, who's the co-founder of Tranquilo and they are, it's, it's a mat and it's kind of like an on off switch for a crying baby. You, you, you turn the mat on and you put the baby on the mat and the baby stops crying. And, um, it's a product that she developed with a couple of other folks and they were actually on Shark Tank recently, uh, promoting that product. And so we did this conversation a few months ago in front of a live audience, which was, which was a great experience. And, uh, we kind of go into what that experience was like. How, how do you get on Shark Tank? What was it like? What happened after that? She kind of takes us right through her her journey of um, starting from from college and, and getting into her first startup, which was an app uh, designed to help women find out when they were um, most fertile and and um, and likely to become pregnant. 
It's about an hour-long conversation. If you want to know more about Ashley and Tranquilo, you can go to tranquilomat.com and check it out. Maybe pick up a mat for a uh, the little person in your life. Um, uh, or maybe maybe they'll make uh, maybe they'll make an adult size one where we can uh, at this point because things seem to be collapsing all around us maybe we all need an adult tranquilo mat where we can just turn it on and and hopefully uh, get a little bit of rest in the midst of all this chaos. <laughs> thanks for coming. So um, th- thanks for showing up, guys. So l- this we're trying this a little bit different. Like please, if if you're if you gotta head out, like that's totally cool. Um, we got talking with Ashley the other day, so, so Ashley's been, she stumbled into our, she didn't stumble into our place, she, she started co-working here, what, November? Yeah. And um, I didn't really know that much about her other than she was doing a startup, and, or was, it was in the midst of doing a startup, and then we tried to do like a pre-interview interview with folks that we talked to, and we got going and we were like, oh my God, like this story is so interesting. Um, we're, we're like, this is gonna take three hours. So, so we're gonna try to move it along because she's got so many good things to, to talk about. So, so first of all, Ashley, who, who are you? What's your elevator pitch? Where are you from? Give us, give us your intro and bio, I guess. So um, I grew up around here. I'm actually from Rome, New York. And I Basically, I went to school for graphic design, and I it, I went to Geneseo, and I and I constantly changed my degree because I had no effing idea what I wanted to do. Um, I was like philosophy, then I was in politics, and when I grew up around this area, everyone always kind of pushes you to do something like a service job, like a teacher, or become a lawyer, or become a doctor, or if you're going to go to business, be a marketer, um, and none of that appealed to me, so. I just really couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And I even asked my parents to do a gap year, and they said no, because they wanted me out of the house. Um, So I ended up going to Geneseo, and eventually I graduated there. And and during Geneseo, I ended up starting a magazine with another friend of mine. Um, And it became, it was Live Magazine, and I realized that I really, really loved the whole idea of like publishing stuff. Um, so after school, I went to the Rochester Business Journal in Rochester and, and became the research director. And I really loved, again, like doing all the producing like a physical product. In the midst of all that, I started an entertainment website, which I was like going out and um, basically re- I would say, okay, if you want to do karaoke, um, here's all the five spots you can do karaoke during the week. And I went to a couple of them, reviewed it. And it became so successful that I ended up, I'd walk into somewhere and someone would be like, oh, that's girl from Activities. Um, and then I was able to sell ads, and I was making money off of it. And throughout this whole time period, I realized that it wasn't necessarily like the journalism business that I wanted to be in. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so at 25, in my, I call it my quarter-life crisis, I quit my job, and I applied to schools. And the first school I got into, who also had the program that I wanted to do, was Northeastern. So I packed my bags and I moved to Northeastern and I started studying um, technological entrepreneurship and small business operations with a concentration in marketing. And the reason why I really want to do technology is because I felt like women were really underserved in that space and it was just a natural interest of mine. Um, and so during that time period, that's when I, uh, basically at, at Northeastern you have to do a co-op, which is inviting you to work with a business. And I chose this young startup that just basically founded a company. It was four people out of HBS Harvard, and they were looking for an intern to help them, like an unpaid intern service. Um, and I was going to make nothing. 
and they basically did their ele- elevator pitch to me. And, uh, and this, this is an elevator pitch. It's a very long story for you guys about me. Um, and that's where I ended up joining them. And then a couple months down the line, they're like, listen, we love you. Why don't you become one of our founding members and quit school, which I didn't. I just went from full-time to part-time um, and join our team. And so that was my first experience of joining an, like the, the basically like Silicon Valley, what you see in that show, entrepreneurship, like lifestyle happened there. And then I was hooked. And I mean, like, I remember when we made digital apps um, and we got our first like 10,000 users and a thousand of them were active. And it was like we hit gold. Um, and that's and and that was like the start of this basically whole journey, and that's what I've been on for the last eight years now. So when you say yeah. you got a t- you got a taste of the um, the Silicon Valley entrepreneur, like what did that mean to you back then? Yeah, and because we have this like we, like we have HBO, yeah, right. And so what is that? What did that mean to you when you say that? Yeah, so you're around like young, um, smart, and eager and passionate people. You know, like we, especially I would say in this area, um, even like we're Rochester and, and past places that I've worked, it's, you still have like that very corporate setting where there's like a set mm-hmm. of rules and a set of standards and politics. And I walked into like this scene and we were in a co-working space um, through an incubator called Techstars. And there's just all these like small little businesses working side by side, using each other, mm-hmm. working off of each other, um, brainstorming, I mean, we would be like throwing back beers at 12 o'clock during the day and like being geniuses at the same time. And it was just like such an amazing experience considering working at a, you know, a paper the, mm-hmm. the, the you know, years before where, it, you know, it's a dying industry. Um, so that was awesome. Okay. Like just the culture and the growth that was, I was experiencing. Um, and then forming a business from nothing, like just, having an idea and a concept and bringing it to actually going to market with it. Um, it's really, it's, it's like such a, in some of you and that I've already spoken to here are going through it um, or did it. And it's just so ex- exhilarating. Mm-hmm. You know? So what was that? Can you talk about that first startup, the product? And yeah. cause totally different from, well, not totally different from what you're doing right now, but software versus software hardware. Versus cons- <laughs> yeah. Pro- software right. versus hardware. Yeah. Um, so the first app, or the first product was um, Ovia Health. And if any of you have ever been pregnant or try or trying, you may have used it. Um, but it's a preconception, prenatal, and post, postnatal apps. And the idea is to help women um, pinpoint when they're fertile and instruct them when to have intercourse, especially if they have an irregular cycle. Um, and then the prenatal app is to help pinpoint onset um, health issues earlier on in the pregnancy and change their behaviors and ultimately change their outcomes. And then the postnatal is to help like through, um, you know, baby milestones and any kind of depression that a mommy, you know, come through during that time period. So... Okay, so the systems based on your input would give exactly, you, yeah. Okay. So we're using big data in order to make more predictive. Where'd you get the data? From our users. Ah, yeah. okay. So this is a chicken and egg problem. Exactly. Yeah. So you had to give people to give you the data so you could give them the product. Yeah. Basically. So we ended up releasing it in um, I forget some country uh, down in South America, and it was and that's where we released the product first, and we got a and we just had a I don't know what happened, but it just flew it. it got so popular um, and we were able to bring on like a hundred thousand users in that in that country and we were able to pull data from them okay wait yeah. stop 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 so so <laughs> so you launched in South America was that because you wanted the data before you launched in America yeah 
Okay. Yeah, before we enter the U.S. And then this is the, the quintessential challenge that, I, that I've heard, and, and things that we experience here, like, okay, you got 100,000 users. How the hell did you get 100,000 users? Um, yeah. that did was you just like, buy the users? Like, did you, is it ads? So how did it work? That was pure luck. Okay. Pure luck. Um, and like our, you should, like our Facebook following, everything was like not in the U.S., which is mm -hmm. the biggest market to break into. Um, so when we released in the U.S., mm -hmm. that's when we really had to do user acquisition. Okay. Yeah. So it just spread like wildfire Naturally. by chance. Yeah, and we just got, we just got a break, huge break. Okay, I want to yeah. dig into this a little bit more because like by chance is... Like, I, I get by chance, but it yeah. doesn't mean you just put the, did you just literally put the app in the app store and go have yeah. a beer? And that was it. And well, people yeah, like, we put it in the it. app store and yeah. So it did there was, there was just like nothing that was available in that wow. space. And at that time, like, I, I forget which country it was like, phones were just becoming like very popular, mm -hmm. mobile phones mm -hmm. or smartphones. So it just kind of, we got really, it was really the luck timing. of the draw of the timing. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. So you got a hundred thousand users. Then did you go and do a raise? No, so we did the raise before. Okay. So we did this kind of like in tandem. So um, we had the wrap on the Android. So it wasn't actually an Android, it was a web wrap. Okay. So yep. we did that and then we raised and then that's when we hired, we outsourced our ROS developer. Okay. It was actually like a company. Um, and then Rari, our in-house, he did the Android app. How did you, how did you, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about like numbers, but like what did you want to raise? What did you raise? And then how did you raise it? Yep. So we raised about 1.8 million the first round, and it was all angels. Wow. All okay. angels investors, and we wanted to raise, like when you raise, you always go into expectations. You want like 500, half a million. You're gonna end up probably raising more, um, and people are always gonna suggest you to raise more. But in the first round, it was all mm -hmm. angel investors. So we went to someone would give us 50, someone would give us 25k, etc. Yeah. And then when you're when you're having those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, what did you have at that point when you were asking for money? Did you have a product or was it like, I got this idea? I have an idea. And that was enough. Yeah. And people actually like that. So it's interesting. We're raising right now for our Tranquila and we have a, we actually have a product that's in the shelves of Target and Bye Bye Baby. So we can't, our valuation's actually a lot clearer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they we've can been selling see, products. we've been stealing product. We have historical data, we have growth patterns, and they can see based off of you know multiples what's gonna happen in the next three years. First, when you have a, a concept or an idea, it's all made up. Mm -hmm. It's all, you know, you're just kind of guessing. And you can go to them and say, hey, we're gonna be a $20 million company in five years, and mm -hmm. they don't know. They're just taking their chance on you. So. And they said, yeah, let's see. So let's see when it. you're doing a round like that, um, because, you know, most of the people that we work with here at Think, like, I think one of the questions we get a lot of is, I want to go raise money, but I'm doing a taco truck, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a non-scalable entity. So mm -hmm. I guess what we mean by that is, like, you publish that and you could have a million users if you want, right? And so mm -hmm. that's that's more attractive to people that want to fund a company. Um, it's a bigger return. It's a bigger return. Yeah. So as a, as a small team, how much... How do you know how much equity to give away of that company at that point in that round? So in Angel, in Angel, you don't give away equity. Okay. You give away convertible notes. Okay. Yeah. So can you explain what that means to everybody? So basically, like if you, they give you fifty thousand dollars, and they have the option as you pro, if you as you make revenue to take that money back, or it can transfer over to equity mm -hmm. in your in your first seed round. So, so it's like calling in a loan. Almost, exactly. Right? It's like a, it's like a it's a yeah. 
yeah, mid loan. Okay, yeah. Cool. Um, and you, that's usually for people who don't have a lot, like for angels who have money to spend, but don't have a lot of money to provide to companies. Gotcha. Yeah. It's really tough. How long did it take you to do Like how many, how many no's did you have to go through to get to a yes? You need a lead. Once you get mm-hmm. a lead, it's a lot easier. And a lead is someone that says, all right, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars, but I, you need to get four more people involved and I'm going to start helping you. Because if they believe in you, then they're gonna start enlisting their friends too. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So you gotta get you gotta get your first your first your investor. Your first yes. Yeah. yeah your, your first, first yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So, how long were you involved with? Like, what what happened to this company? Is it still around? Yeah. Like, what what is it, what's it doing now? Yeah. So um, now it's like up to 1.5 million active users all across the U.S. across three apps, um, and it's diversified into different types of businesses within the business mm-hmm. too. Um, I stay there for four years. It's up to like 75 employees now. Um, and then I fully, I, I was fully vested and that's when I met my co-founder for Tranquilo and I div- decided to like, jump ship. So yeah, they're doing fantastic and I just want them to get acquired. <laughs> <laughs> do you so, have a stake in the company I at do. this point? Okay, yes. cool. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being so transparent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You were telling us the other day when we were talking that um, I said, well, how, okay, how does this make money? And so you said you were doing um, media within. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that yeah, yeah, revenue yeah. model? Yeah, yeah. So we ended up, obviously, we started getting users and the push from our investors, like, you need to start making money. Um, and so we did, really didn't want to be like Facebook and start running ads in the um, apps because that's what a lot of people do when you develop an app. Um, but we had to somehow bring in a source of income. So we ended up doing native advertising and then that was my lead within the company. So we started something called Ovia Media. And the idea was a brand can come and market to our users of the app, but it had a look and feel as though it was a part of the app. So um, for instance, if you ever heard of core blood banking or diapers, Pampers diaper, diapers, for instance, they can come down and say, we really want to advertise to your users. I'm like, okay, you can, but you need to teach them about diapering. You need to teach them about all the different types of diapering, diapering products out there or how to actually do it, like a step-by-step process. Um, and then you can advertise on our app. Um, so we built that whole system and it ended up bringing our revenue generator. Yeah. And how do you go and was that knocking on doors? Was that building a platform where they came to you? And so, you, yeah, how do you do that? Yeah. So I, you get, you just get your first, you know, customers, mm-hmm. you get the people who are going to take a chance on you. Um, I remember Zulily, if you guys are familiar with Zulily, they sent a PO in and it was for $70,000. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> that was the largest amount of money I've ever seen at that point. Um, like first, like we were getting like little advertisers, like we'll do t- 2000, we'll do a hundred here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we built the platform and it wasn't perfect. It was an MVP product. Um, and so we just kept testing it on our smaller customers. And then eventually when we kind of got the bigger dogs coming mm-hmm. through, that's when, uh, we, we actually pushed it out like into full market. Was yeah. it done on a um, CPM basis? Was it done on a monthly CP- basis? Yeah, CPC? So we, we did CPC. So basically, because our app was um, very engaged, we had our users were extremely engaged. Um, our MAUs over our DAUs were extremely high. So um, we really knew that we couldn't do a CPM base. We had to do a CPC okay. where they had to pay a CPM um, per impression, so per view, versus CPCs per engagement, per click. So every time like a, a user would 
engage with the app or with the ad, then the brand would have to pay. Um, it's the Google Ads model. Exactly. And the thing we'd say, like, if you want to be higher in the app, because we basically had something like a news feed, like Facebook, if you want to be higher in that sequence, you have to pay more. So you have to be a dollar fifty versus a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty cool. And yeah, it was just knocking on doors. Like I, I remember doing it from, like sitting and creating the platform, and we created an interfor- interface that the brand can go and sign mm-hmm. in and see what was going on. And um, to like building, like it was just me in the beginning too, and I built a team of ten around it. Wow. Um, from like someone to do sales, build a sales team. I never did sales in my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, but I learned from just doing calls and doing pitches and building a media kit. Um, and then to a writer, to a graphic designer, to, I mean, it was just insane, to a project manager, to someone doing like technical work. And Is that still the main revenue model now? It is. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So what happened was we did like 1.6 our first year million um, and then 2.5 the 2.49 our second year and then I ended up hiring someone to come in that had more experience in the space to take mm-hmm. over the lead of it because I felt at that point I it was beyond my bridges like I just couldn't lead it to the next step to be to go from like I was on track to do like a five million year but mm-hmm. like our investors really want to push it from you know that to like a 30 million dollar business mm-hmm. so I as they pushed me, which I was fine with, brought somebody in, then I moved to a different role at Tranquil or at Ovia. Yeah. Once you take money from an angel or an investor, um, you said you know your investors were pushing you to do a thirty million dollar a year. Like, yeah. what are their what are their roles? How do they, how are they involved in the business? It depends if they have a board seat. Okay. So um, you always want to have the majority on the board, um, which won't have which which starts to dwindle as you continue to raise and raise over mm-hmm. time. Um, but whoever's on the on the board will push you in a certain direction, mm-hmm. um, and that's that will kind of give you the heat to go one way or another. Yeah. Okay. So cool. Um, it's not a make or break, but it's it's advisement. Yeah. So let's move to Tranquilo. Tranquilo. Okay. All right. So just talk about how where this thing came from because yeah. you're you're doing good. You're at the startup, and then yeah. you're like, oh, let's just leave this great situation and go start something else. Well, I left because my job turned into um, very, it was very similar to what I didn't want to do, which was I had a daily routine where I come and I knew exactly what I was doing every Mm -hmm. day. And I didn't really love that. Um, I liked the beginning of companies where you're forming something, you're on your toes, there's all these different, just you're wearing so many hats. Um, And I talked to Paris at the time and and said like, this doesn't, I'm not happy anymore. and so that was kind of going on in the background. Um, and then I was also just mentoring companies. Not that I was like this expert, but it was just giving me an outlet to work with smaller companies mm-hmm. again. And that's where I met my co-founder, Melissa, who's in that video. Um, and she, had, she was the one who had the idea. She, it was a, she's a maternity nurse. She was working in a NICU, um, the postpartum department, and she was constantly taking care of multiple infants at the same time who were crying or fussy, and she'd be like shushing. She'd be like rocking one, shushing in the air another one, and rocking another one with mm-hmm. her foot. Um, she's like, I just wish there was a product where I could just slide it in under all of them. They can all shut up. Um, <laughs> and so she came up with the idea of 
the Tranquilo Man. Awesome. Yeah. And so I was mentoring her company just because I had the business acumen from Ovia and I was in the baby industry and I worked with mm-hmm. tons of brands and saw many brands start from the beginning and grow and worked with bigger brands and saw how they developed. Um, and during that time, she, because being a nurse, she was kind of just a, she was just so lost um, and needed so much guidance. And I had mentioned to her that you really should get a co-founder, um, someone who could help build this company with you because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. Um, in, the, in the nicest, kindest way, you can say that. Um, and then during that time period, you know, as I kept pushing her to do it, which I had no intentions of meeting this, she turned around and said, will you be mine? Um, so at the same time, I was kind of unhappy at Ovia. I was thinking about my next move. I was actually looking into doing something like this in mm-hmm. upstate New York, like starting awesome. an incubator. I was like, I want to bring you to growth <laughs> to, to Rome and Utica um, through startup New York. But yeah, I know. Um, and or yeah, and I was or I was going to start my own business, but I had to think of an idea and it was just kind of like perfect timing. Mm-hmm. I was also pregnant. Um, so I I was making my baby registry. At the same time, Mm -hmm. I knew all these brands and there wasn't a product like this in the space. It was completely disruptive. Nobody else was doing it. Um, And since then, we actually have a competitor now, Halo. I don't know if anyone has Mm -hmm. children here, but Halo is like a big product in the baby space. They've created something similar to our product because the success of it, which is actually just like a great honor. Mm -hmm. It's scary, but it's also, you have to be like really excited about that, that you have some For people that don't know what the product, what the, what is the product? I should have brought it. I didn't even. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. So it's a portable soothing mat that helps, um, babies sleep, go to sleep and sleep faster pretty much. Um, or sleep longer. Yeah. Do you want to? We have it. Yeah, so that's what it is. So um, there's a lot of, like, big, chunky, like, swings and um, bouncers that exist in the space that you can't really bring from place to place, and they're stuck in your home. What this does, it rolls right up and go in your diaper bag and go anywhere that you go and and can can be where any any place baby sleeps. Um, So if you want to put the baby in the bassinet or you want to put it in the crib or if you want to put it... um, in a pack and play, the tranquilo mat can go as well. It mimics mom's womb, so it vibrates with a heartbeat mode. It goes zzzz, and it's as when you put it next to the baby's ear, it's loud, so shh. And it's the same thing that a baby experiences within a mom's womb. Um, they're constantly hearing loud noise and motion from the mom moving. So if you ever hear experience parents like I had to put my baby on top of a dryer um, or I had to drive around the car or drive in a car around the block like a million times the moment I turn off that car that baby woke up that's the same thing or like using a vacuum it's the same thing it's it's consistent except we're providing it to the parent to use in in, in an everyday situation or scenario we watched the there's a there's the there's a video of this too. Mm-hmm. I think it was on the website or what we were watching the other day. And they put the baby, it's, it's like flicking a light switch on a person. Like they put yeah. the baby on the mat and it just goes clunk. Yeah. It's out. It's, it's awesome. crazy. Yeah. I thought it was like, I was like, there's no way this is real. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. As someone that I. has a 20 month old, I'm like, there's no way yeah. this is real. Yeah. I so. like, that's, I mean, that's, I, I was like, this is genius and it works. Yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> it works quickly. Yeah. It's like, um, no, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so you you made the jump. Uh, at what po- like what did what did she have when when you were brought yep. on as a co-founder? Like, was it just the idea or what was it? So she had prototypes. Okay. Um, and she had the we call it the like the V one version, um, and 
<clears throat> that that was already being produced and for China, but there was just a lot of like issues going on. Like we actually didn't have the industrial designs to it. Um, China had it, which mm -hmm. is a huge no-no mm -hmm. um, because they can just copy, yeah, and go and produce it themselves and bring it to the any any market. Um, so there was like a lot of stuff that needed to be corrected. Mm -hmm. um, she also had built this team that were just, and I know this is gonna sound bad, but I ended up coming on and firing everybody. <laughs> I just let everybody go because they were either, I know it sounds bad, but they're either not doing what managed well. So mm -hmm. they didn't know exactly what they were doing or they're wrong. They weren't qualified mm -hmm. or in the wrong position. Um, where did she find them? There's people she knew random. Yeah. Randomly yeah. found them. Okay. Um, and so, and, it, and, and we ended up rejuvenating the team. Um, how did, how did that go with her, with your co-founder? When you come in, you're like, Oh, you know what? We got a, we had a clean house. Clean house. Yeah. Um, I think she was frustrated too. Mm -hmm. I think she was at this point where um, she knew that the, the company was at its like break. It's gonna go or it's gonna exactly make break, yeah. yeah and like it, yeah and she she really didn't know what to do because she didn't have that the the business background mm -hmm. um, and she was ready to listen yeah cool. and take take big steps and at that time I mean we also got invited onto Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of like where it all started. When you say you're invited on Shark Tank, yeah. how does that happen? So Mass Challenge um, reach, so Shark Tank producers reach out to reach out to Mass Challenge, which is a, like the number one incubator in um, Boston, and Boston's like a big startup hub, um, and basically says, can you recommend any products that would be good for our mm -hmm. show? And they had recommended Tranquila and a couple other ones. Um, so they reached out to us and said, apply. Um, so we applied. You basically send them, you open the books, you know, and you send them everything, your, your financials, anything that you have, you send it to them. Um, and then you either get, you can get past that part and then they invite you onto the show. Um, and so what happens there, like it tapes seven, eight months before it actually airs. Um, and they'll fly you out and they'll say, listen, we don't even know if this is going to even air. You know, you may not even make it to go. To, you may not even make it to go pitch to them to the sharks. You have no idea. It's such a uh, guessing game. Um, but then you end up. We got a, We actually got asked because they were doing like a hero week to go and pitch to the sharks, mm -hmm. and it was perfect because Melissa was a nurse. Um, and the sharks, it's it's what you see on TV. There's nothing different. Like they know nothing about you hmm. until you walk out into that stage and you actually are really giving them an elevator pitch, and they're choosing to invest in your company on, on the, the spot. spot. Yeah. So the producers know, but they don't. Um, and then post-show, you go through due diligence. And sure. You, yeah, and then you actually decide whether or not it's a good fit. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And so what was the outcome of that pitch? So we end up getting an um, offer from two people, and our valuation got raised during the episode, which was awesome. Um, and we went with Robert if you guys are familiar with him. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't close. So, and do, Why not? Because it wasn't a good fit. Um, their vision, our vision, where we want to spend our money didn't add up. So we ended up parting. Hmm. And I would... <laughs> but you still got all the PR out of it. We got the PR. Right. So I, I always say this to, to like people who are considering startups or going on Shark Tank, like, go on it. 100% go on it because the national awareness you get overnight changes. It's mm -hmm. a game changer. It changed our, it made us a business. Um, we did a lot of work to prepare for it and can continue the momentum. Um, but you get night and day, your business changes, but never take the deal. Take the deal on, on television 
but don't take it after because they take so much equity out of your company for such a little amount. Okay. So you have, so at what point, uh, when you, when you went on the show and when it was featured on the show, yeah. did you have the, was it on sale? Did you have the final product? Where were you in so that? So we were scrambling. Going? Yeah. Okay. So we, so basically they tell you, um, 9 million people tune into the show. Great. Um, expect to sell like one year's worth of product. We're like, uh, last year we sold like 10 units, you know? Um, <laughs> so like, what's, what do you mean? We're not gonna, you know? So we end up ordering 2,000 units. Um, and we had, again, we, at that point we were making so little money month to month that we had, we like, we hustled to get it funded. Um, and at that time we won Mass Challenge. We were one of the winners of Mass Challenge. So we got credited a $50,000 grant. Um, so that $50,000 went in and went right back out to the door mm -hmm. to China to order inventory. And then we we're like down to the wire the days before like our airing that inventory was actually going to get to our warehouse and be ready to ship. Like it was a matter of days. Hmm. Um, and then when you air, like we went from it's start, like first you're getting all this pre-show um, PR and that's in Boston is a lot, lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, so then we just start seeing sales cause we use Shopify, like our phone mm -hmm. app was just going off and off and off. We're like, Holy shit, this is really happening. <laughs> and then it airs and it is insane. It's mm -hmm. insane. It's just like your phone came and keep up with the orders. Really? And we went out um, of stock within hours and we had to go into pre-orders. Wow. Like we've just prepared for it. Yeah. So what was that? So you ordered 2000. I mean, can you have some we ballpark? It was like 5,000, you know, use it. Oh yeah. We ended up doing like 17,000 units last year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and, but like we had to do a lot of work to prep mm -hmm. for Shark Tank because we had to rebrand everything. We had to create a, like a, our website was woo e-commerce. We had to sh mm -hmm. move over to Shopify. We had to do all new product photography, all new lifestyle product photography. We had to get prepared for um, retargeting ads, um, email collection. So how we were going to garner all these, mm -hmm. all this traffic to our site and um, retarget them later. I mean, there was just so much prep work, language, marketing, messaging. But it forced you to do it. It forced us right? to do it. But we, but I also had like a one month, right? You right, know, right, sure, like yeah. on my boob, I'm like, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> put her on the mat. Give me the prototype. Yeah, mat. exactly. Like, Give me the mat. I'm gonna be here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and yeah, and, and my co-founder Melissa was in China trying to get the production run done, uh -huh. and there was just Annie, and there was three of us at that time, and I was working for no money. Mm -hmm. Nobody was working. We were all getting unpaid at that part mm -hmm. time, um, but it was a lot of hustle. And then after Shark Tank airs, you have to keep the momentum up. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hardest parts. So you say um, you were working for no money. Mm -hmm. That's obviously not super sustainable. No. Um, so did you like have jobs on the side? How were you able to you know, kind of yeah. put food on the table? Yeah, so I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I relied on him. And I also, um, I had maternity leave from Ovia and I negotiated that with them. So even though I wasn't coming back to the company, I still, we put a really good maternity leave program in, in Ovia because we were a woman's health app. So I had that for three months. So I stretched that out a lot after. And then by June, we ended up giving everyone a salary. Yeah, okay. the three of us, minimal, but it was just a, like you said, put food on the table. Yeah. Ashley, just rough numbers. What did you guys put into that business at that point where you- Yeah. Mm, good question. Took that risk. 250. 250k. To, to get to that place. Yeah, but a lot of that money was mismanaged. Yeah, that includes that, that includes wages too. You're not paying yourself. We're not paying ourselves. Put in 250 in your own money just to get 
Correct. And that included wages to those other um, employees that were, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of, I mean, so people that are doing products, like products are expensive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How did But you, there were some mistakes that were made, though. Like, let's for talk instance, about those. Like, and like for in, she hired an advertising firm or whatever it was to do a social media campaign for $7,500, and there was no ROI from it. Um, so it was like little mistakes like that, that kept adding up dollar wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you said earlier that, you know, you guys had, you had a a Woo site, a WooCommerce site. So that's kind of a default, um, WordPress commerce platform. You went to Shopify. There's a lot of people that ask us about Shopify. What's your experience with Shopify? Love it. Love it. Yeah. Why do you love it? Um, it's really, um, user intuitive. Um, it's easy. You get, there's a lot of plugins. Um, that are you're able to incorporate into Shopify. So we use like looks reviews, so we can send out re- shoot out review emails after a product has landed at someone's house and they have a mm. couple days to use it. Um, we use like there's just so many different apps that you can use it to really build out your website, like Prixie, which helps doing pop ups and um, exit pop ups as mm-hmm. well, um, welcome and exit. Um, and then there's a lot of data that can be reported from it too. That's okay. good. Um, also, you have, you pick a theme with Shopify, but if you can hire a web developer, you can basically manipulate that theme to make it whatever you want it to look like. So that's just like the face mm-hmm. of um, the, the site, too. So it's been so really... Experience. Yeah, Did really you have any experience. problems? Like, I, So, for example, if you guys were on Shark Tank and you had a WooCommerce store, your site is gone. Like, It's, not, it's just not going to load anymore. Yeah, so that's... Um, the, did the, that scale up? No, so that was the best thing about Shopify. Okay. Like, even at your free level, which at that point we were at the free level... Mm-hmm. Um, which they take like 1% or 3% of every sale. Um, that's how it works. And we emailed them. We're like, is it like with the um, increased traffic to our site, are we going to crash? And are like, no. Because it's such a big platform in the back end um, and it hosts so many different sites that it's not like an individual site that you're getting, you're, you're actually hosting. Cool. So, yeah. Um, on the product development side, uh, what's it like to do overseas manufacturing? Um. It's long. I'd say that's like, the, so I think the biggest change for me going from a digital project to like software to hardware and physical, it's that you make a change today and it's not going to come out till June, you know, cause you have production time of 45 days and then you have, if you're C shipping, it takes 30 days to get mm-hmm. here. Um, so your changes, the next change you're going to make, is not going to come out to October. So you got to get it right you or get as right. close to right as you can. Exactly. Get it. Like there's, you can't just constantly be making changes in the back end. Yeah. Um, so we did over the summer off of the, all the, our shark tank customers, we just had so much more, um, availability to consumers to educate ourselves about their feedback. Um, so we did a lot of market research. We did one-on-one interviews. I did over a hundred interviews, I think. Um, multiple surveys, like qualitative, qualitative and uh, quantitative, mm-hmm. um, and for this production run that just land is landing actually like in a week, um, we made the adjustments. Um, so we just knew moving from like now until this time period, there wasn't any changes that we could make, mm-hmm. um, and things that we learned. So right now our product comes in a sack, 
and it has this sleeve over it, but there's hardly any information on it. And it's a new product in the space, so people don't understand how to use it. And that's like one of the biggest issues. Um, so in either does our site provide like a lot of resources for the consumer. So they have to Google and really search to see what other consumers are saying on uh, resource sites like Baby, uh, like Baby Center or The Bump or mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. So we had to change we changed to a box packaging and we put a lot of information on the box to guide them how to use it. Um, we're changing the instruction manual. So the instruction manual is basically like a step-by-step -step guide. Um, and then another thing is like they wanted a lower vibration level. And that was like hmm. a key thing. And we're like, we can't do that right now, but the next product variation will. Hmm. Yeah. When you go, when you ask them to build product for you, they, you have, when you're a smaller company, you have to do lower quantities. So the price is higher. Mm -hmm. So your margins are smaller. Um, and that's hard because you're starting business, especially if you're doing going wholesale too. Um, so now we're starting to build need larger quantities, but our current factory isn't reducing the price. So we're switching factories and we're trying to bring another factory online and that's a pain in the butt because they're basically starting from scratch with mm -hmm. your product. Because we have, it's basically one thing that happens on our mat that makes us have to go to China. We create these little motors, and the motors are like this small but powerful, and they have to be custom molded and created. Um, so to do that in the States, it's extremely expensive. Mm. So that's why we, for electrical work like that, we have to go out to China, yeah. Mm. Or mechanical work, yeah. Uh, were there any uh, defects with the first? Oh yeah, oh my God, yeah. The foam <laughs> we chose, it, if some of it smelled, and we had no idea which one smelled. Um, so we would customers calls and say, um, it smells like rotten, like a like a egg had been sitting in, like out for a long time, or milk wow. or something. And so that happened. That was like a big big problem. Um, and then because it's battery operated, and there's like these there's little wiring. Sometimes we had issues with sparks. So that was an issue. Wow. <laughs> with the baby on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, there is definitely. That's like, an issue. Yeah, those <laughs> reviews are gone. <laughs> They've been deleted. Yeah. So, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, there's always... And, like, that's what I always say to friends of mine who start doing startups or, you know, countering problems in their business. Like, you're always... this is It's always going to happen. And, that, and I was saying this to you guys yesterday that, like, highs are never as high as they seem and lows are never as low as they seem. Like, it's, it is a roller coaster, but... Like you think something's gonna be detrimental, like you think it's the end of your company, um, and then the next day you guys you get through it, um, or you think like this is gonna be our break, and then you're like, oh, it's not really that big of a thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So, Shark Tank obviously that took care of a chunk of yeah. it for you. If if you didn't have that experience, do you have? Is there any advice you would have for people on mm -hmm. on user acquisition, customer acquisition? Like, where do you start? What do you prioritize? Um. So I think the first thing is to figure out who your consumer is mm -hmm. and where they shop. Um, so for instance, like our consumer is typically a millennial um, parent, most likely a mom, um, between the ages of 25 and 35. Um, and we know that they, they are, they're digitally savvy, our, our, our consumer. They're mostly on their mobile phone and they're using social media. Um, and we did this through multiple interviews mm -hmm. with, cons with not, not our consumers, just with our ideal consumer. Um, so that's how we kind of discovered it. So once we learned that, that's when we started to really push um, where we were gonna acquire 
in this case, mm-hmm. customers. Um, so we run currently, we do a couple of things. We do organic and um, paid. So organically, we work with influencers because we know um, in the space that word of mouth is really, really strong. And if you have one really influential parent or mom who recommends a product, it's going to add a lot of credibility. Um, so we do that. And we don't pay influencers. We send them a mat and say, try it out. If you like it, write about us. If you don't, don't, you yeah. know, or like tell, tell the truth. We want, mm-hmm. it, we want it to be truthful. We do try to pick out the people who we think are going to mm-hmm. like it. Sure. Um, and then, so that was like one case thing that we did. We also built our Facebook page. Um, so we really focus on just building that, um, is, is meaning followers. Um, because we knew that a lot of, of our end user did a lot of the research and just found products, read stuff, or part of mom groups um, on that platform versus other platforms like Twitter Instagram, or yeah. Instagram. You know, sure. we knew that's where our main consumer was, um, you know, engaging. So we, we've been, and we've been focusing on that, and that's still a focus of ours. And so then we do the paid side is um, it, how we engage. So. We do top, mid, and bottom funnel ads. The top is really just reach. So building, finding our consumer and just getting eyeballs on it um, so that they're starting to get um, brand awareness of us. So what's a top ad look like or say? Yeah, so it's a little bit more, it's like a brief elevator pitch and like a one second, Mm -hmm. you know, copy on an ad. Um, So, uh, you know, tranquil mat, um, like, have babies sleep longer or fall asleep faster, sleep mm-hmm. longer. I know it would be something like really quick. So it kind of gets the point, gets them interested. Um, so that would be a top, top level ad. And it's just a lot of branding, less text. awareness. Yeah. It's just yeah. awareness. So they can rec- start recognizing our logo and the actual product itself. Um, then we do the mid levels engagement. So that's driving people to, um, to our page, landing page views. Mm-hmm. So the, the conversion there is actually getting people to, to, to come to our page and, and stay on our page. Um, and that will be a little bit little bit more mm-hmm. engagement. So we'll run videos. We'll actually show how the product works. Mm-hmm. Or we'll do testimonials. Um, or, yeah, we'll do a product review. So we do, and when we get customer um, user-generated images, we ask if we can repurpose them for mm-hmm. ads. And then those go in our engagement. Um, so people can actually, and we'll put the review up there and say like. You know, on the landing page or on, as on the, the ad? On the ad. As the ad, okay. yeah. Um, and so we'll do that. And then and mid-level, to, mid-funnel to us is people who engage with our page, friends that friends of people who engage with our page, um, look-alike audience to our page, mm. um, you know, baby shower, something very similar. And But the baby shower also gets hit with the top funnel. Sure. So they get multiple times they're like seeing our product. Um, and then we also do, in our mid-level, we do conversion ads, so per- purchases. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of seeing the mix of it. And then we have retargeting ads. Mm-hmm. All of our retargeting ads have discounts. What is retargeting for people that don't know? Yeah, so people is. who land to our site, um, who come to our site and exit. So it's an ad that follows them pretty much through the space. Um, like if you've ever yeah. looked at a car, and then, right? And then you see that car ad yeah. forever, right? <laughs> Even after you, you buy the car, like you keep seeing the car ad, mm-hmm. right? Same thing. Yeah, we do it all the time. Like we follow you everywhere. Um, so we retarget it on, on Facebook, web. Um, those are actually our two primary places. Mm-hmm. And we also do, do Google AdWords. Um, so we try to optimize around different keywords. Um, so like sleep, baby sleep, um, 
nap time or colic, mm -hmm. stuff of that sort. But we try to be really smart about it because there's a lot of products in the space that are already paying a lot of money for those mm -hmm. keywords. So, so it's we, an expensive acquisition. It's expensive, but we just try to think of different ways to get around it. Yeah. When I guess I guess two two angles to this. When you are first starting out and you have that fifty thousand dollars, right? That yeah. or that first yes. Mm -hmm. What do you prioritize what to spend money on? Is it is it all are you all in on product development? Are you all in on marketing or where where do you start? I, I mean it depends on your business. Okay, let's use yeah. your business for an for example. Um so right now so we're raising right now. And we're kind of in this catch twenty two situation. I keep saying that yeah. tonight, but we really are. Um so we we've started doing wholesale. We're um, going into store Bye Bye Baby and Target. We're going into store, or we're going into store Bye Bye Baby, and then we're um, going to store it in Target mm -hmm. in July. Um, and we're ready, they're, they're pretty much ready to scale with us. Mm -hmm. But our margins are smaller now. So we're not selling it at the $99 price point anymore, we're selling it half of that. So now our margin's a lot smaller mm -hmm. um, on what we're profiting off the, the product. So in order to make up for that, you have to do volume. And the, and the only way big box stores or majors work if you sell volumes. I mean, like tens of thousands of units per year. Um, so we need the money to market and reach our consumer. Because even though we sold, what, 17,000 mm -hmm. units last year, like it's like 0.5% of the market. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's 6 million babies born every year. Um, right. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're raising in order to Use support. Marketing, basically. Yes, to support those channels. We also need to hire the staff and the team members to do it. Um, we're still really lean and we have a lot of part-time employees mm -hmm. and we really want to bring a lot of them full-time and then also bring in the talent to help us achieve our goals. And then a little bit of it is for product development because you always got to start, even if, even if you're constantly working on the current product, you have to be like two steps ahead of the next product you're coming mm -hmm. out with. Um, so we are starting our development for our next product that's going to be released at the end of this year. So. I'm glad you brought up the team because one of the things I wanted to hit on is so you're you're here at, at Think and yeah. I've never met any other Tranquilo employees no. right and so <laughs> you're a remote team. Yeah. How did how do you do that and what are some of the tools that you might recommend for people to yeah. to build out collaboration? So our like the, we could never work without Slack um, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are probably familiar with it but it's just how we do our day to day communication. Um, we also found team members who liked working remote, and it's also, we have younger mm -hmm. people who are kind of more accustomed to the digital world um, that don't need the face-to-face -face personal time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one, finding someone who fits the mold, two, like hiring the right kind of talent that can, can be a remote person um, and enjoy it. And then also using Slack is one of the tools we use. We use Zoom conference. Um, mm -hmm. That's another thing that we constantly use. Um, Trillo for project management is a big thing. A lot of communication for projects. Um, I mean, it's just, I think it's just really important. I, again, like it's not necessarily just all the tools. It's the people who are actually within the company mm -hmm. who, who like to work remote. Okay. And then just building like certain things that you have to try and like monthly or we do weekly scrums. Okay. You What's know? a scrum? Um, it's basically the beginning of the week you say what you're going to get done. Okay. Um, so we have, we have two week we have month sprints. We do month sprints, which is, this is everything from each department of the company that needs to be completed in the month. And it's been thought out in a business plan that we did in the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and then we do weekly scrums, basically what are, look at our sprint, what are we working on? What do we want to accomplish by the end of the week? And then we come back and say, um, did we finish it? 
So that's yeah. that's thing. And then each team has like their own um, individual meeting too. So we do one-on-ones to make sure everyone's feels Moving good forward, about what they're yeah. working for. And then we do team meetings. So for instance, I lead the marketing team. So we, we do our separate marketing meeting as well, um, which is very traditional what you do like in a normal setting mm-hmm. too. It's just all online. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, can you give us kind of a day in the life of what, like what's your day look like? Um, so we're still pretty small. So I, I do, um, I'm still kind of wearing those many mm-hmm. hats. Um, I do a lot of day-to-day operations. So whether it's leading our fulfillment center and trying to resolve issues that we're encountering with mm-hmm. them or thinking about raising, assisting my CEO with raising uh, to the day-to-day marketing activities. So like before this, I was writing post-purchase email series and creating the copy around there. Um, so every day is a little bit different still mm-hmm. uh, to thinking about how do we bring healthcare benefits onto the team. Hmm. Uh, so there, so my day is still very mixed up with, with different things that I'm doing, which is something I really like. And um, I also think it's it, it's interesting. I was saying this to you guys yesterday, the multiple of fives. Um, when it started off, it was three of us. And we can... Um, you can be really open and you can talk about things that you not normally would do in a business setting. So we talk about politics and religion and, you know, sex. Um, And when you have five people, then you got to kind of start wheeling that back and you need to be a little bit more um, thoughtful about what you're talking about. And then you also, you start having employees um, and they don't look at you to the same and they, they always have that, you know, they're working for you in a way. Um, so the dynamics of the company changes and then now we're up to 10 people and it's like a whole nother game changer where you have to start thinking again about the dynamics. Um, and that's a lot of stuff that we're going through right now, a culture shift and how to keep the, the, what we created alive, but Mm -hmm. also start installing some more traditional things that are necessary. Um, HR, HR, right? Yeah. Yeah. Complaints. Um, how do we deal when someone's upset about mm-hmm. somebody else? So that's a lot of stuff that we're working and I'm currently working on right now. It's like, how do we build the team to continue to sustain the culture that we had envisioned, but also allow like some more tactical and um, stuff to put more tactical stuff in place to, to encourage, you know, so, I mean, resilience. Really, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, to kind of, I guess, wind things down a, a little bit. Um, so... What advice do you have for people? I mean, if you're here tonight, you're interested in, you either have a business, you're starting a business. Like, what advice would you have for people that are here in, in Utica that are, are either mm-hmm. thinking about starting or started? Or mm-hmm. what have you learned along the way that you would love to pass off to, you know, younger you? Yeah. Um, I, so I, I've said this to other people that I think everyone always dreams for the, the end goal. Um, you're like, I want to be profitable and I want to, which is, is the goal, right? You're like, I want to be so successful. Um, but it's the small wins that really get you to the, to the end. Um, and if you're so focused at the end and you're, you're dreaming about it, you forget about all the hard work in between. Um, so that's, that's one thing like focus, set your, your subset goals and try to reach them and then set new goals. Um, with the vision of what you're trying to do at the end. Um, because those small wins are like, mean so much to you. Um, and you get so excited. Like if you do anything, I don't know. I remember I was saying you guys, like we got a thousand likes or a thousand followers on Facebook and we, it was amazing for us. Like, wow, a thousand people like us. Um, and then, uh, know you're going to have to give 
I think that's the biggest thing. Um, when you start a business or you're going through your business right now, uh, something in your in your life is going to have to give. With my with first with Ovia, um, I I really didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> like I was just mm-hmm. constantly focused on the company day in day out. I lost sleep. I really my life was Ovia, and my family kind of got put in the back burner my and of course I love them and I always I, I talk to them as much as I can my friends did but I was my life was really consumed by Ovia mm-hmm. which can be a good thing and bad thing but that's the risk you have to take in the beginning when you're starting a business because it is all day and night um, so just just know going into it that you're going to have to be fully invested and you're going to have to take a dip in something else in your life and other things, like for instance, when he asked, like, how are you supporting yourself? Like, you may have to move back with your parents, mm-hmm. or you may have to share a room with your co-founder. Uh, those are, are things, again, that you're gonna just have to mm-hmm. take in order to hopefully, in the end, <coughs> have a better, have a, this amazing outcome. Um, but that's the risk of it. It's going you know? all in, right? It's like, all you go all in. You can't yeah. be half. Don't be half in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, half yeah. you can't, like be, half, can't, be, can't half be half pregnant. Yeah, you're either pregnant or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. I, so in, in the, the several months that you've been here, we've tried not to disturb you. I've never seen you like super pissed off or um, incredibly frustrated or flustered. So you have a lot of optimism. How do you maintain that? I don't know. I think Justin saw me pissed off once. I'm like, I don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I just, you know, I just, you got to roll the punches mm-hmm. in the way, you know, things are hard sometimes. And if you let every mistake, which happens, so many mistakes happen. Um, for instance, like bye bye baby, we screwed it up in the beginning. We weren't getting paid. We weren't getting paid for things that we should have been paying for. And we took a huge blow to our company. Um, and that was a mistake by me. And I could have like, that could have been really gentlemental to my confidence in the company, but everybody's going to do it. Everybody's going to be a mistake and you make a mistake and you have to allow it and then let people redeem themselves or mm-hmm. let, like be, just be open to it and understand like it won't, you're going to learn from it and then not change it the next time or mm-hmm. learn from it. Um, so I think just being optimistic and, and knowing that that's going to occur in your company helps you keep going, keep going. Yeah. Um, so we focus on bloggers and influencers that are really into travel. So they're moms who are either um, traveling, they want like want part of their lifestyle is traveling because our, our mat is, can be, it's really great for travel because you can really roll it in and bring it anywhere you want and the baby's accustomed to it. Um, so it's not something that's, it's, it's something they're familiar with versus something new and disruptive in an unfamiliar space. So we focus on and those type of influencers in addition to working moms because working moms want efficiency um, and they need something to make their life easier. So that's the first step. So we identified who we think are going to be the best people to be advocates of our brand. Um, then we determine, okay, how many followers do they have? We look at their engagement. So we, we look at them on Instagram, on their blog posts to see how many comments they're getting. Um, if they have 20,000 followers, if they're having two likes per you know, post, um, yeah. Are they posts, real? Then right? they're not yeah. real, you know. So we, we do that too, and then we look at if they do reviews on products. That's the next step, um, and then how often they're posting. So that's another mm-hmm. piece that we do. Um, so that's the first. We kind of like set our criteria, and then um, are they producing content that we think would be um, good to be side by side of our brand? So th- those are that's the first step. Then we just make a laundry list, or not a laundry list, but a list of people that that fit that mm-hmm. need. 
Um, then we do multiple outreach. So we start engaging with them on Instagram. It's the first step, just like, oh, like your post. Um, oh, that's super cute. Or oh, my God, that's so funny. Or look at your baby. Just mm-hmm. things to start engaging and make, and, but we make it authentic and, um, even though it may not be, because um, we're looking for something out of it, <laughs> but it is. It's it's just kind of engaging them and getting getting them getting them aware of us, um, and then eventually we'll reach out. So we'll reach out to through Instagram and we'll find their email somehow. It's like, hey, we just we, we we've been following you. We love how you speak to your users or your followers. We think you would be such a good fit um, to try out our our products. We saw this post about X Y Z and that made us really you know excited about you. Know, we just mm-hmm. you know talk about them. It's about them. But it's context. But it's you're not yeah. just going, hey, you hey, want to review the here, product. Here's the product. No, yeah. it takes it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and then it's you know do you, do you follow up if they don't respond um, and then eventually they, they get them and then we basically say like if we send you a review um, we request a product re, uh, post on your page um, if you're not going to do that then X amount of Instagram posts mm-hmm. um, so we knew we're, we know we're getting something in return and it has to be in this X amount of time frame hmm. Um, and then once they're done, we try to continue to engage with them. So if we release a new product, we'll be like, do you want to be the first person to see it? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to join our Facebook moms group or like brand ambassador group? Do you want to be a part of our affiliate program? Um, just different ways to keep them engaged with us. So it's not just like one off, you know, hey, thanks, mm-hmm. bye bye. Um, it's more like, how can we continue this relationship with you? How do you manage yeah. that? How do you, how do you kind of like, who's in charge of, of that? And then how do you... How do you kind of track where in the, in the funnel, the influencer funnel, I guess, yeah. where people are? You use like a, you use like a sales CRM management tool. So what do you use? What do you pipeline? Pi- pipeline. Yeah. Okay, or pipe, uh, pipe drive, excuse pipe me. Pipe drive. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's free. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah. And you can do, and we're also, so another program that we're starting is working with sleep experts. Okay. Because sleep specialists, um, a lot of parents go to sleep specialists and they recommend products mm-hmm. and they've been constantly reaching out to us and saying like, we want to recommend your product, but we also want to kick back. We're like, okay, we can do that. Um, it's fine with us. And then photographers, newborn photographers. Mm. That's another, another. Calm the baby down. You calm the baby down for the, for the shoots. Um, so we're starting that and that's a new program that we're putting together cool. for the spring. Yeah. So uh, we're, the 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 bad news is we're we're losing Ashley like next week, right? Yeah. So she's moving to Rochester. Yep. So can you just tell us like what's next for you and? Yep. So, um, interesting enough, we the, the our lead investor um, doesn't believe in remote teams, hmm. um, and really would like us to have a location. So we're gonna open a location in Rochester, um, and then I have. I already we already hired someone who lives in Rochester, so that's good. And then my two two teammates on the marketing side are moving to Rochester, so we're basically starting a, a satellite business there. However, it's not gonna you don't have to be in the office full time. Hmm. You can come and go. Cool. <laughs> so we still we we all enjoy that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see me here nine to five, but sometimes you know like yeah. we all do we roll in at noon or you know you're working at eight o'clock at night. Um, and that's one of the benefits, I think, of our company, uh, the flexibility of working whenever you want to um, with your most, your your chunk of your hours during the, day, the work day um, when other people are available. Um, but we don't want to lose that. Yeah. Um, so we're basically saying you have to come into the office three days a week. Um, it doesn't have to be a nine to five. Come in when you want, leave when you want. Um, and the rest of the time you can work from home. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for sticking around, guys. Thank you so much for Thank telling you. us your story. This I is hope awesome. it was helpful. All right, we're done. I want to thank Ashley and uh, all the folks that came out to the event to um, 
to ask great questions and, and kind of be a part of this first live uh, podcast taping. So thanks a lot to everyone that showed up. If you like what you're hearing, you know, it'd be great. I'll tell you what would be great if you subscribe to the email newsletter. Uh, send it out about once a month, and it's it's actually not just it's not full of ads or anything. It's it's just got a recap of the things that we did this month, as well as some of the stuff, the edits, the the behind the scenes, the goodies that didn't make the actual podcast. So if you're interested, just go to rustbeltstartup.com and uh, and put your little email in the box there, and uh, I'll send you the next one. No obligation. You can unsubscribe at any time. I won't take it personally. I promise. Um, thanks a lot for tuning in. If, if you're digging it, rate us uh, in, in the in the app store of your choice or leave us a review. That, that helps in, in the search and the Google juice. And I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Rust Belt Startup.